You know, as we've been in this series on healing and looking as I've been studying all these different accounts of the healings, there were 19 different healings in the ministry of Jesus. There are different accounts, but there was 19 different manifestations of healing that we saw. I mean, there was thousands of other people healed, but these were documented healings. And as I've been studying it, going through the different Gospels, I've read before and after each one of them, and so I've spent a lot of time in the Gospels in the last few months just preparing for this. And... Um, You know, in the ministry of Jesus, there were only two things he cared about. Only two things that, that moved him. Only two things. And one of them was not the Roman governor. The government did not move him. And the other thing that didn't move him was the religious order of the day. Didn't move him. It's only... Two things that he was passionate about that moved Jesus. And I see it all through the Gospels. And it was hearing from the Father and doing what the Father said. That's all he was passionate about. That's all, his whole ministry was built on hearing and then doing what he heard. And I'm telling you, there's never been a time in the history of the world when it is more evident how much we need that in our own lives. Hearing and doing is what matters. Hearing and doing what God says is what matters because when you look at what he did, he turned the whole world upside down because he heard and he did. Turned the whole world upside down. In three and a half years, the world was nothing like it had been for 400 years. Nothing. Nothing. There had not been one documented healing that we know of in church history for the previous 400 years, not one. And the Bible says the records of the people that were healed and delivered and set free, there's not room to put all that into one, right. to one book. That's right. Everything that happened in three and a half. He turned the world upside down yes. because he heard and he did. That's what he wants from us. Hear and do. Tonight I just want to read, we're going to look at a couple of, a couple of more of the healings that manifested and happened. And The first one is found, and it's the only account, it's found in Mark chapter 8. We're going to just read this, and it was, the, it was the healing of the blind man. Last time we, we were in this, we talked about the healing of the deaf and mute man. But this is the healing of the blind man. And it's Mark chapter 8 and verse 22, and it says, Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. 
And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and he said, I see men like trees walking. So, so, so what had happened? This man's blind and all of a sudden he begins to see and he's kind of barely seeing and it looks, he said, you know, he can't see clearly, not sure what's happening, but it looks like, like trees walking, men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. How many know and believe that this is a true account of a man that was blind and he was healed. Amen? He was blind and healed. If he did it for this man, he'll do it for anybody today. Is that not right? Jesus the same yesterday, today and forever, same God. Right? Remember, Jesus heard and then he did. So, he laid his hands on that man and he saw better than before. He actually saw something, but it wasn't clear. He laid his hands on him again and he saw clearly. One of the only accounts that we see where Jesus prayed for somebody wasn't totally manifested at first and he prayed for him again. I can tell you today... That needs to be encouragement to us, not that we're not believing for something in our own bodies when we believe for healing or anything else, but when we don't see something totally the first time, we don't quit, we stay with it. Can you say amen to that? We don't quit, we stay with it. We don't back off because God is faithful to his word. Amen? So all I have to say about that one. That's the shortest little piece that I've given you since we started in this. But I want to get to the next one. And this is the man with the epileptic son. And we've talked about him. I've preached on him at different times. But there's that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all give account of this man with the epileptic son. And I want to go through this and read each of these accounts tonight. I haven't done that each and every time when there was more than one account, but there's something unique about all three of these accounts. So just bear with me as we read through them. First one is in Matthew 17 and verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and he said, bring him to me and let me lay hands on him. That's not the next thing he said. 
You faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and on and on. He's talking to his disciples. He's not talking necessarily, I don't feel like, to this man with the son. He's talking to his disciples who he'd given the authority to, told them what to do. They'd seen miracles. They'd seen things happen, and they did nothing with it. I mean, you know, they'd only been together for a short period of time. You'd have thought he'd had a little mercy and grace, right? I mean, I mean, you remember, he never says anything that he doesn't hear from the Father. So Father was saying this. Coming out of Jesus' mouth to his disciples that they said they couldn't do anything about it. It sounds bad, but wait till we get to the end of it. Bring him here to me, and Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. So, his disciples ask him, why did he leave for you and not for us? And Jesus said, through Matthew's interpretation here, or Matthew's account of this, he said, because of your unbelief. I want to come back to this, but I want to go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verse 6, and I want, I want to look at this because James chapter 1 and verse 6, and I'm going to read this from the Amplified Translation. Here is the definition of doubting. Okay? So, in Matthew 17, said, why could we not cast him out? And he said, because of your unbelief. And in James 1 and verse 6, starting with verse 6, Here James defines what true doubting is. And he says this. Only it must be in faith that he asks with no wavering, no hesitating, no doubting. For the one who wavers, who hesitates and doubts is like the billowing surge out at sea that is blown hither and thither. Sounds like a Winnie the Pooh illustration. <laughs> it's hither and thither. Hither and thither. Anyway. Blown hither and thither and, and tossed by the wind. Now I got a visual of Winnie the Pooh. And tossed by the wind. For truly, let not, let not such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks from the Lord. The disciples asked Jesus, why did we say and nothing happened? 
because of your unbelief. Now here is where he really defines it. He will receive anything that he asks for from the Lord for being as he is a man, a man of two minds. Doubting is a man of two minds, person of two minds. You know one thing, but you're doing something else. You've heard one thing, but you've not done anything with what you heard, and so you're doing something else when you know something different. Let, that, let not that person think that he will receive anything from the Lord at all. There lies one of the greatest frustrations of Christian people on planet earth because they're not getting results that they should get from God. Because they're, they have two minds. And you know this, you've been around here very long, you know this because we teach this. That the two minds, the double-mindedness, has to do with how much time that you spend meditating on the things of God, whatever that takes. Because, because if you, if you're a person, most people don't have a, paper newspaper, my dad does, but most people don't have a paper newspaper anymore, you know, that gets delivered at the house. My dad's out there on top of that paper at 6.30 every morning. <laughs> Man, he's got it. Boom. But most of the time, when, when, you're, when you're confidence and faith, you, you, realize, you realize if the newspaper said it, many people believe it's the gospel, yeah. right? Or whatever. And where people are double-minded, they're two-minded, is when you come and sit in church and you hear things preached and you know what it says, but you spend more time in the newspaper, I'm just using that as an example, you spend more time with the newspaper and what the newspaper says, and you give very little value to what you're hearing, in other words, by taking what you're hearing, and when you come here, you always leave with a plethora of Scripture. Only way I learned the gospel was I heard preaching sometime for, for the first several years. I mean, all day, even in the night, stay up all night and listen to preaching. Take what I heard preached. Take the scriptures I heard. Go to the word itself and allow them to become real to me. So I'm not just repeating what so, so-and-so said. I'm, now it's become part of me. And now I've taken ownership of those scriptures for myself. I know what the newspapers say. I mean, all you got to do is just, if you're in the community at all, you can hear information that you need to hear. I know what's being said. I know what's being done. I know what's being talked about all over the place. Fear is rampant right now. We know what the Word says, but double-mindedness keeps us from receiving the things that we ask for. Whoever says to this mountain... Be taken up, cast in the sea, does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say is going to come to pass when they say it because they believe that what they said is what God said is so. And he would say it if he was standing here right now. That's what Jesus knew. Two things he was passionate about. His time for hearing 
and then go and doing what he heard. Double-mindedness keeps us. It says, when you have the two minds, you're in a hesitating place. That person is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything that he thinks, that he feels, and the decisions that he makes. So his disciples come to him and say, why could you cast him out and we couldn't? Because of everything I just read. Jesus didn't care what the Roman government was doing. He didn't, they, he didn't care. He never, he never gave what they, he, he obeyed the laws of the land, paid his taxes, made sure they got paid, whatever needed to be done. He didn't care what they thought. I promise you he made sure he never did anything illegal, immoral, or something, anything that went against the word of God where government was concerned. But otherwise, he didn't care what they were doing. He did not care what the popular voices in the church world were doing. All he cared about was hearing and doing. Done. So when his disciples came and said, it's because of your unbelief. It's because of your doubt. It's because you're double-minded. You're hearing the things that I'm saying, but you're giving more attention to the other stuff that you're hearing. Then he gives them the answer. He says, listen, you want to know why it came out with me and not with you? Because I pray and fast. I pray. That word fasting there, you know what the definition of it? Go, you go look. The word fasting there means to separate. Everybody thinks of fasting and they get hungry. <laughs> I gotta go. No, 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 no. No, I mean, you know what? That that really, I mean, yeah. When, when you need to fast a meal, when you need to fast a day, when you need to, God's leading you in something like that. Yeah, you, you'll get opportunities to eat, and somebody will try to give you a big cake or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> so, something like that. But okay, th those things will happen. But it's really not about that. It's the it's what the obedience produces. Yeah. God, I, I'm, I'm separating myself. Jesus made sure. I mean, I can imagine there's times he fell asleep, and when he woke up, there may have been 100 people in his house ready for the next word, next miracle, next manifestation. But he made sure he got away from people so he could hear and know what to do before he did the next thing. The other thing you see about Jesus he never responded or operated or made a decision based on stirred up emotions. I'm telling you tonight, one of the worst things you can do is get worked up emotionally and go make a decision. You're looking for a recipe for disaster, it's right there. I promise you. Because most decisions made emotionally are made out of fear. And you will never produce in your life. That's what he was telling his disciples. The key to seeing the same demon leave that left for me is because you know 
who you are and you know whose you are. And then those devils know like that, hmm, wait a minute, he knows who he is. We got to go. Not trying to cast a demon out, not trying to lay hands on somebody. We got to know who we are and what we have a right to do. He never went out of the boundaries of what Father told him was right. Man, when we know that we know that we know, then we get everything we ask for. That's right. <clears throat> Every single thing we ask for. Can you say amen to that? Amen. <clears throat> Luke chapter 9 and verse 37. This is Luke's account. I didn't go to Mark next because it's the longest account, and I like some things that he says in here. Now, it happened on the next day when they had come down from the mountain that a great multitude met him. Suddenly, a man from the multitude cried out, saying, Teacher, I implore you, look on my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out, and it convulses him so that he foams at the mouth, and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. So I implored your disciples to cast it out, but they could, they could not. Then Jesus answered and said again, you faithless bunch, how long am I going to be with you? How long am I going to bear with you? Bring your son here. And as he was still coming, as he was still coming, as he was still, this is Luke's account. You know, Luke's the doctor and he's a real detailed dude. So here he sees him. And here comes the father with his son, and as he's bringing him, as he's still coming to Jesus, the demon threw him down and convulsed him. Then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child, and gave him back to his father. Everybody say yes and amen. Did this really happen? Right? This really happened. And we see here that what was wrong with this child and the epileptic seizures were directly res- related and, and associated to this demon spirit. That's not every case. Don't try to tie all that in. That's not every case with somebody that has had seizures or battled with seizures. That's not every the case with every person that's in that type of situation. But in this one it was, right? And what's important is when you're dealing with whatever it is that you're dealing with that you've heard from God, so we know from God, so what we do is not, well, we're going to see if this will work. Well, this worked the last time. Well, we saw Jesus do that over here, so that must be what's wrong with this person. Never that way. Never two situations the same. They're just not. That's why you have to hear from God, right? That's why... That's why faith in God has to be developed day to day in your life. If you're living your life just protecting yourself from having to step out in faith and trust God, then what you're doing is you're disqualifying yourself to be in a position to to be used by God with the manifestations of His Spirit. He wants you and I to do that, but we have to have levels of faith and trust that are being developed every day in our life so that when we face something, we know how to go after that. We know how to go after it. And then Mark chapter 9, starting with verse 14. 
And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them. And scribes disputing with them, immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son. But Jesus is thinking, I don't remember that. I don't think I've ever seen you before. I brought you my son. And then he goes on to explain himself. He has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And why could they not? Because they were of two minds. Jesus gave the answer, and I just gave you the definition from James, what what a person that is controlled by doubt is. It's two minds, and and we're we're double-minded because we're hearing and putting stock in the wrong thing. Don't forget what I said about that tonight. It's vital. You cannot put your faith and confidence in the wrong information. The newspaper is past news. The Bible is present and future. I'll say it again. The newspaper, magazines, whatever, all they're doing is telling you about past issues that have happened, past things that have happened. The Bible, even though it gives you stories of things that happened here, it, the Bible is clear in that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the examples are here to reveal to us and show us if he did it for this guy and this man's son, he does it for us. We have to get rid of the doubt. And I think just what I explained to you tonight, it's real clear how to get rid of the doubt. Quit listening and paying attention to things that will not build your spirit. You have to. You have to. If you don't develop that, you'll never be convinced that God can show you what to do and then produce through you. I mean, think about about the ministry of Jesus. I mean, they wanted to kill him. They wanted to take him out. They wanted to stone him. They wanted to stop him. They wanted to do everything. But the scripture was was clearly focused on the fact they couldn't do anything to him until he said so. <laughs> right? In other words, nothing could happen to him until he knew it was his time. His whole life, he was born for one reason. And the beginning of the reason started at 30 years old and lasted for a little over three years. That was his purpose, and nothing was going to stop it. What's your purpose? What are you and I here for? What are we here to accomplish on this planet? We've got to know that from him. We've got to know that, we're, number one, we're ministers of righteousness. Sent here to help other people see how good and great God is, but it's got to be working in us. And if it's not working in me, what I say to someone else really isn't going to produce because if I'm going, yeah, you need to love God, but, yeah, you know, yeah, you need to serve God, but, you know, whatever. Try the best you can. 
No. No, we got to believe in this. we got to believe that it's true. Never, never in the history of the world, I'll just say, because everything increases and gets better. Never in the history of the world, and we can say this probably a year from now, two, five, ten, twenty, a hundred, whatever, but never in the history of the world to this point has it ever been so advantageous for a human being to have the truth and walking in the revelation and being able to be confident that there really is a Holy Spirit, that there is a voice that will lead us in the right direction and that we can produce great fruit. I mean, never in the history of the world. Don't be thinking this is a bad day and a bad time and a bad whatever. This is the greatest time to be alive. I'm telling you, you know, everybody, everybody, you know, all year long, everybody's battled with stuff, you know, when all this stuff's come and different things have happened and a lot of uncertainties and everybody battles. And I do, I bat, everybody battles. But thank God for what I have inside of me that overrides every thought I have, if I allow it. Well, you're a pastor, so that'll, no, come on. No. I mean, that's no in a greater way just because I'm a pastor. No, that'll never work. God's no respecter of person. He's a respecter of developed faith, faith that is developing day to day. We're in some great times right now, and we cannot listen to what naysayers or people say, we cannot let that be the overriding information that directs our next steps. We can't. And where health and healing and where manifestations like this are concerned, they won't come when we have a double mind, when we're double-minded. Can you say amen? So he said... So, he answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, watch this, when he saw him, when he saw him, watch this, when he, little h, saw big H, immediately, The spirit, he, the little h, convulsed him, the little son. When the spirit saw Jesus, oh my gosh, we got to get out of here. We got to throw him down. We got to make this thing happen now because he saw Jesus. You know what though? You know what the interesting thing is? We're him in the earth. See, we're, we're the church. Ephesians 1 says, go look at it and read it. Ephesians 1 says that he gave authority to Jesus. Jesus gave it to the church, comma, which is his body. So we're not the deity, we're his body in the earth. See? And what he did, we can do. Did you hear me? What he did, we can do. And when that demon spirit saw him, man, he got nervous. And when those demons and those devils see 
a single-minded person? How does a demon see a single-minded person? Well, I can give you a few ideas, but uh, leave it up to him. (laughs) What matters is that I'm single-minded, and he'll recognize me. And he'll be afraid of me. And he'll run in terror of me and you when we're single-minded. Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, same spirit that lives inside of me. The works that he did, I'll do. Even greater works because he's gone to the Father. Now, at the right hand of the Father, he's given me all authority. I can do the same exact thing and even greater things. That's what he said. Greatest day ever in the history of the world to be alive, to see what was demonstrated here being demonstrated now. Every lie, every demonic lie is coming to the surface and being exposed and I know that and I know I have what I say. That's right. I just know it. I mean, there's no, I, I mean, I don't have to get your approval that I know, I'm saying I know that what I say is coming to pass because I know who I am and who's, whose I am, who I belong to. So he cast that demon out before I come back and finish that. Look at Mark 16. <clears throat> this is to reaffirm that this is for everybody. Jesus said in Luke chapter uh, 10 and verse 19, he said, I've given you authority to tread upon serpents, scorpions, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will by any means hurt you or harm you. I'm telling you tonight, that's where your faith needs to be today. I mean, you understand. Not, you, you'll never get to that place out of desperation. Oh, my God, I don't know if I'm, if I'm in that place. Just get there. By doing what? Spending more time hearing, meditating, listening, studying the things that you're hearing. Listen, the only way that I grew in the things of God was listening to teaching and taking the scriptures that I heard and studying them and meditating on them. That's why you see me sit over here if somebody's preaching. When, when uh, Andre Bronkhurst was here, you saw, well, I'm not writing anything, but on my phone, I'm taking notes of what's being preached because I want to go back and study it and meditate on what was said. Even statements that were made, I wanted to go back and, and study that and, and meditate because it, he, he was speaking as the oracles of God, and God said that faith in him comes from hearing and then hearing by the word as I meditate and do something with what I've heard. That's the only way I know to grow. No other way. Because in that study time is when the Holy Spirit reveals to the, the truth to me where it becomes real to me. The truth isn't going to become real to me just because, real to you just because you hear me preach. But if you leave that element out, you're leaving out a part that he said that's so vitally important. It, get, it sets the stage for us to become doers of what we're hearing. Because if you get right down to it, if you're not listening to word, you're listening to something. And if it's not word, most of the rest of it is doubt, unbelief, fear, and controlled 
by the God of the system. Most of it. Can you say amen to that? And that's the truth. Mark 16. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, in my name, who's saying this? Jesus. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. To those who are born again, who are baptized, who believe it, who accept it, and do something with it. These signs will follow anybody that believes. So here he comes and he tells him, and I'm back in Mark chapter 9, and he, and he, he, he gives him, the, the, there were three constant things, there was one thing that was constant through all three of the reports from each of these different men. And it was, it was, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then he brought him to, to him, and when he saw him immediately, the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So Jesus didn't take over right then. Here's the boy he's still foaming at the mouth. He's still bouncing around on the ground. So he begins to enter into a conversation with the father. How confident is he? I believe these questions that he asked the father was to help the father. Listen what he asked him. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he's thrown him both into the fire, into the water, and destroyed him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And watch the Man, these next few statements are powerful. And I have to say, I know some people that have really taken them wrong. But this is what I think it says. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. What does it take to believe? Now think about this for a moment. What does it take to believe? He said, here, here, here's this father in desperation since he was a little one. I don't know, I, this, he's probably a teenager or something now. But since he's a little tyke, he's been, this has been happening and the spirit has been on him and nobody could do anything about it and his disciples couldn't do anything about it. And he said, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. <laughs> do you think Jesus was a man of compassion? <sighs> My gosh, what compassion he had for everybody. So when those words came out of that man's mouth, Jesus thought, we can do something here. I can work yeah, with this. Right. It, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't that, I mean, the, here's a man has no understanding, has had no word, has had nothing, and Jesus says here in his next statement, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Here's Jesus saying, it was like, 
Josh had nothing. He has no revelation, no understanding. He's sitting here for the first time. I'm telling you, Josh, you can believe this. God healed you 2,000 years ago, and I'm telling you, believe. And Josh is kind of thinking, okay, I mean, if you're, you're telling me. See, the faith of Jesus, the belief in Jesus drew that father to another place. If you can believe, all things are possible to him to believe. I mean, that guy's born at night, but not last night, right? Uh, okay, I believe, but look at the honesty. But, man, I got these doubts in my head. Help my unbelief. I've got this stuff just raging in my head that this is not going to happen. But if you said I can believe it, then I can believe. And I believe you believe it. And that's why we've got to develop that in our own lives. We've got to believe this stuff. We've got to believe that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He gave authority to the sons of men, so God's not going to step in and do anything in the planet, but he'll do everything through you and I. That's right. Come on, give somebody a fist pump on that one. Come on, pump somebody somewhere. Boom, 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 boom. Huh? I'm telling you, tonight, he's not going to step in and do a thing. People that are waiting on God are going to wait till hell freezes over. He's already done it all. But there is no end to what can happen in the earth to people that believe. Where healing is concerned, where everything is concerned. Can you say amen? And you know what? The thing about Jesus here, just listen to some of these last few words here. He said, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Wait a minute, that's not where I, is that where I ended? Yes. He said, help, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast him out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. I'm just telling you tonight, and I'm going to leave you with this. You can kind of look at what he's talking about here to people that don't understand anything, that casting a devil, a demon, out of somebody is a little harder than the normal stuff, right? And I'm telling you that with the more difficult things to believe for in life, the different difficult obstacles that we have, mindsets that we have about certain things, the more difficult things, things don't change without prayer and really understanding true prayer that we've been te- that we taught about this year. Understanding what real prayer is and separating yourself with God and believing in that to where it begins to develop a desire in you 
to want your time with God more than you want time with anything else. You want your time with God and his word and his presence more than you want anything else. I can just testify to you today in my own personal life, in the last three and a half to four, maybe a little bit more years, that development has never stopped. And it's never stopped increasing. Even before that time, things always increased. Sometimes it was a, you know, a half a step, maybe in a whole year. But I've never gone backwards, always increased. But in the last three and a half to four, maybe a little bit longer than that, the increase has continued and it's developed an appetite in me as a, as a person, not as a pastor, as an individual. Amen. That without him I can do nothing. And that's the thing you have to see first. My focus, my, my focus used to be on the fact that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yell it, scream it, spit it, and everything. And I can. But not until I see without him in his presence, in his word, I can do nothing. With him, I can do it all. There's no question in his mind, but I can't put the cart before the horse. I've got to humble myself first under his mighty hand and understand what that means. Less of me, more of him. Being set free of who I think I am and all about me and it being more of him first. And as I develop that, I'm just saying to you, it, all, all the all the pieces, like my example of the, of the big piece puzzle, that's what it is. It's just, it's just a number of pieces that have to be realigned and set in place. I can't, I can't encourage you enough in the day in which you and I are living in. It's him first. Without him, nothing. With him, everything. I choose everything, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm not, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of smart, but not, not, the, not, not the quickest guy in the, in the pen. But I'm telling you, I've, I've understood that. I've understood that. Without him, nothing. With him, everything. Whew. I mean, everything. I mean, everything. That's right. You know another verse? I've got to give you one more. Jesus said, anything and everything that you ask for, he'll give you. When you know without him, you can't do anything. But anything and everything that you ask him, you know why? Because when you're all about him and you've humbled yourself under his mighty hand, your asking will be through him. Your asking won't be apart from him. It'll be through him. You won't ask things that are stupid. You'll ask things in line with his will because you've humbled yourself under his mighty hand. 